Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Hope you're doing well today. I have today one of my favorite children's authors. You are probably familiar with her work if you're not familiar with her name. So I have invited Dawn Hebner to the podcast. She is the author of What to Do When Your Brain Gets Stuck and What to Do When You Worry Too Much, um, among a lot of other books. Her most recent book, uh, separate from what just came out, is Outsmarting Worry, which I don't mention in the podcast episode, but is actually my favorite book. So you want to check that out. It's a good book for kids who are having anxiety or OCD, and it's more of a chapter book. And so I like the format of that one, but definitely for little people, uh, what to do when your brain gets stuck is a good one. And when bad habits take hold is a good one for biting and picking and all that kind of stuff. But she's on the podcast today because she just has a new book coming out called something bad happen a kid's guide to coping with events in the news, which is a very specific and needed topic. I am not familiar with really any other book out there that is a kid's book that addresses how to help them when something happens that's tragic. So this book is not for, you know, trauma that happens in a child's life and to them. It's more about these things that have been happening in our world. So natural disasters or fires that are overwhelming or school shootings that are scary or, um, you know, all the many other different things, the environmental disasters that we're seeing, the hate crimes, the things that we don't really want to talk about with our anxious kids. And her book is really good because she doesn't really specify. She doesn't go into detail about these things. It's very neutral, but very powerful. So I will stop talking about the book because you will hear about it in the podcast. But I also, while I had Dawn with me, took the opportunity to not only talk about her book, but for her to give us some tips as parents, what should we do when we hear, you know, something happens that even if we don't want to talk to our anxious child about it, they're going to hear it at school, or they're going to hear about it on the playground, or maybe they're going to listen to it, you know, in someone else's house, they're going to see it on the news. So what should we do parentally about that? So before I get to the interview, just some updates. Uh, There is a fantastic picky eating workshop that's going on for the next few days from my friend, Alicia Grogan. She was on the show a couple of episodes ago talking about picky eating. If you didn't catch that, that was last episode. So that's episode 135. Definitely check it out. But if you are interested in attending her free online workshop, you want to catch it because I think it's wrapping up in the next few days. And you can text me at 44222 and just text me one word, picky eater, and I will send you the link. Or if you have pen and paper near you, you can go to www.bitly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash picky eating workshop 19. That's picky eating workshop 19. Yeah, grab that because she's phenomenal and I love her and don't want you to miss out on that resource. She also has an online class that's opening up in the next few days, I believe, maybe tomorrow. Um, I'm not even sure. I believe it is tomorrow. And her class is phenomenal. So if you're looking for some help in extreme picky eating or not, it doesn't have to be extreme, but if it is extreme, she still addresses that. Definitely look at her online class because a lot of us can't find feeding therapists or therapy 
that is effective. Or some of us never thought about doing that, but we are, you know, we're drowning in the sea of picky eating where it's really concerning. You know, your child's weight is an issue. They're not getting nutrients and everyone's just saying, Oh, it'll go away. And it's not, I have three of those for three different reasons. I talk about that a lot in the podcast episode, but definitely go back and listen to the podcast or check out her workshop. That's for free. And if you want that ongoing support, check out her online class. I do believe she will leave a link at the end of her workshop. So I will leave a link for her class in the show notes as well. And you can check into it. Okay. Well, without further ado, let's hear my interview with Dawn Hebner. All right. Well, I want to welcome Dawn Hebner to the show. Thank you so much for coming on again. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah. You have come out with a new book and it's such a good topic because it's one that I actually get asked a lot and it's, and it's hard to answer, you know, what you're, what you're supposed to do when, when really tragic, bad things happen in our world. And unfortunately it's happening more and more sadly. So uh, I want to go into your new book that's coming out. When does this come out? Something bad happened Thursday. Oh, how exciting. Okay, so if you're watching this or listening to this, it's already out because this will come out on Tuesday. So actually it'll come out, yes, it'll come out next Tuesday. So what prompted you to write the book? So I work clinically with anxious children and um, they're children who are anxious about unrealistic things or um, they're anxious about dangers that are very, very unlikely to happen. And I started hearing from parents and hearing from children about anxiety related to things that were actually happening. So, you know, not things that kids were just imagining and fearing, um, dolls coming to life or things of that sort that kids are afraid of that are, you know, unrealistic things, but things that had actually happened. So um, shark attacks. I I live in New Hampshire and there's a little bit of seacoast and there are occasionally shark attacks or um, extreme weather events or school shootings. And it was occurring to me that while the anxiety that comes up related to those real world kinds of things that happen in some ways is similar to other kinds of anxiety that I work with more often, there are pieces that are different also, um, you know, when kids feel anxious in response to real world events. And so I decided to um, write a book about that. And, you know, so I did some thinking about what do kids who are anxious about real world events need to know and what kinds of skills do they need to help themselves develop to cope with those real world events. Yeah. And you did such a fantastic job because it's just, it's such a beautiful book because it's, it's taking a very scary topic and it's, it's actually very uplifting. I found at the end of the book that it ends in a very, very positive, uplifting way. And the message is just so beautiful. So, you. you know, it's definitely something to have on your bookshelf because unfortunately these things happen rather spontaneously without much notice and just having this resource accessible to say, let's just talk about it or let's just read this is, is a great tool. Thank you. You know, one of the things that was tricky about writing the book was that I was very aware that I did not want children to find out about bad things that had happened in the world by reading the book. 
So I didn't want to talk in a specific way about the fact that people come into schools and shoot children, or um, there are wildfires that wipe out towns. Those might be things that children don't know about, and I didn't want them to learn about um, from my book. I wanted to leave control in the hands of parents in terms of which events to talk to their kids about and how many details to provide. So throughout, the book just talks about bad thing in a generic kind of way. And it kind of walks parents through a conversation about how to talk to children about specific bad things. Um, and the, the kinds of feelings that might get evoked hearing about the bad thing and the ways to process information and cope with it um, can be applied to any kind of tragedy that happens, but kids aren't going to find out about, about specific bad things through the book. Yeah. And that's a good thing to mention because that, that was my next question. But first I want to make a comment about that. You would think that the ambiguity would make it lose its meat, but it does not like it really, it really, you could put any, any big event in there, whether it's weather or, you know, a school shooting or really anything. And it applies. And so, cause I thought, you know, when I read your intro to the parent, I thought, mm, she's gonna be very ambiguous. I wonder how she's going to do this. You know, how can you really target this without really speaking about what it is and you do it perfectly. So I, I like that because it's, it's so interchangeable because we all come from, you know, different things happening in our world, whether it be weather or something violent and, and it relates to all of that. Right. But I wanted to follow up with the question. There's a lot of parents that I work with um, in the anxiety and OCD world who who really walk on eggshells and they don't really want to talk about anything. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a small fraction of parents that I work with, you know, in here and in my practice, who if, if their child doesn't bring it up, they don't want to, they don't want to rock the boat. The boat needs to be very, very stable. So what do you say to those parents who say, you know what, if they haven't heard about this tragedy that just happened? Mum's the word. I'm not going to say anything. Right. So I don't think that we need to talk to children about every terrible thing that happens in the world. But I think it's a mistake to have the idea that our children aren't hearing about at least some of these things, right? So kids have a way of picking up on um, stories. You know, they, they might hear a little snippet of the news, or they might overhear their parents talking about a bad thing that's happened, or they can just tell that parents are stressed or parents are feeling more anxious themselves. And in the absence of um, actual information, kids kind of create their own stories. They make guesses about what happened or what kind of danger that they're in. So it's important to talk to kids about some of these bigger stories that they're likely to hear bits and pieces of anyway. And then there's an additional piece where there are times that a, a, a news event rises to the occasion that even if our child might not hear about it on their own, it's important enough that it makes sense for us to talk to kids about it because it links to an issue that's important to talk to our kids about. So an example of that might be some of the environmental disasters linked to climate change. We might decide that we want to talk to our children about climate change to help them develop an understanding of that. 
or um, a tragedy that's linked to the immigration crisis. We might want to talk some about that with our children. So we can use some of these events as a vehicle for talking to kids about important issues that just, you know, humans in the world need to be aware of and need to be having conversations about. I think we as parents very much want our children to develop resilience, right? And so resilience is being able to cope in the face of adversity. And one of the ways you develop um, resilience is by practicing coping in the face of adversity. And so to talk to children about bad things that happen that haven't impacted them directly, but, um, you know, are impacting some people is a chance for parents to help children begin to learn how to develop some of those skills that might come in handy to them when the bad news is closer to home, you know, when there's something that a child needs to be coping with because it impacts them. Yeah, such good points, because I think we're, we're, we're fostering that resiliency. And if we, if we cocoon them and hope that they haven't heard about something or don't have those good conversations about things that are happening in our world, they're not going to know how to handle it when they're grown up. It brings, it reminds me of a story that happened this week with my kids who are, well, I have three of them, but my seven and nine-year-old, when 9-11 happened, you know, my old, it was interesting because I don't remember a lot of conversation last year about 9-11, but for some reason this year, I just feel like there was a lot more dialogue. And my teenage daughter, who's almost 16, you know, she was texting me during the day, mom, where were you during 9-11? I'm like, are you talking about this in school? And she was just like, no, we're talking about it with my friends at lunch, you know, because I had worked... Um, in front of the World Trade Center. And so she wanted to know if I was there, if I knew any coworkers. And so I just figured it was just her. And I didn't think much, I talked to her, but I didn't talk to my two little ones. And then a couple of days ago, I was found my daughter loves to draw art. And she, I looked at the picture because I always look at them because they're always very interesting. They tell me something about her. And mm-hmm. it said Twin Towers. And the, it was like this, the buildings were on fire. And she wrote this airplane coming into it and said, Hawaiian Airlines. I have no idea why she wrote Hawaiian Airlines. And then when I tucked them in last couple of nights ago, all their stuffed animals were in the bathroom, in their like Jack and Jill bathroom. And I said, what, what's this? And my daughter said, we were rescuing them from the building, mom. And I thought, oh my gosh. And right. so I said, why were you guys, how do you even know about 9-11? You know, being the ignorant mm-hmm. mom that we're talking about here. And she said, oh, we discussed it at school and we're reading a book about it. So even something as tragic as that, that happened so long ago, just the anniversary of that, you know, my kids are, are feeling the emotions now that they need to process. Right. There was a really interesting piece that I heard on this most recent 9-11, which was comparing the the national conversation after 9-11 with the national conversation about Columbine. So Columbine happened a few years before, and um, school children after the Columbine shooting were terrified about school shooters. It was the first time, really, that that was talked about, that people come into schools and they hurt children or kill children. And so children's artwork after Columbine tended to be about guns and blood and um, danger and things of that sort. After 9-11, even though that was a horrific thing that happened, 
the the focus in in much of the media after 9/11 was about helpers, about first responders, about the nation pulling together to assist people that were affected. And so children tended to kind of like you're describing with your children, children tended to focus on the rescuers, the helpers, the responders, things of that sort. And that brings up a really good point about when we're talking to our children about tragedies, maybe about more recent tragedies also, we need to be clear on what's our point. Like we're not telling our children these things to scare them. We're telling our children either to help them understand an issue or to talk about safety or to point out the good that there is in the world and the kinds of people that come forward when there's a bad thing happening, right? But the way that we frame those conversations is so important in terms of develop, in terms of determining the, the messages our children are going to be taking in and the kinds of feelings that they're likely to, to have in response to the news. Yeah, so having some intention of like what is what is your purpose with with your conversation with your child. And you do that really well in the book because I feel like you leave you know the kids would leave the book feeling like there's something there's two things that I thought are the big takeaways for kids is I like the way you talk about these marbles, you know, and your analogy is really good about it's just a good visual because I I always try to express that as well, but your visual in the book for kids is so great about the likelihood of bad things happening and then giving them a role of what can you do, like creating these helpers, these children that will grow up to be helpers and have this helper mentality is, is inspiring too. Right. So when a bad thing happens, we all tend to feel both frightened and helpless and um, the helplessness further fear feeds the fear and children can be taught that if they do something positive, and it can be even a small positive thing, that kind of transforms the situation. So it's not about me as potential victim. It's about me as someone who can be effective in the world, me as standing on the side of the helpers, joining together with the community of helpers. And that's just a, that's such a useful thing for both kids and adults to um, take their fear and turn it into something that's positive. Yeah. And you can channel all that, that energy, all that anxiety into into action, into really positive action, and to make kids not feel like they're a victim to the world events, but that they they can they can be a mover and a shaker, and they can do things. I like that. I never even thought about reading your book for environmental stuff. I think that's great too. Um, mm-hmm. My little worried Mister Nine, you know, even today driving him to school, he was talking about how the Amazon's on fire, and we need trees and. It's hot because we're ruining the earth and the environment. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, we have to talk about this. Right. But even having that as a platform to to have a bigger discussion would be really helpful. Right. But let's think about the positive thing that we can do. And it, it doesn't have to be on a large scale. You know, we as a family can decide X, you know, we're going to be more attentive to recycling or we're going to combine trips so that we're not running out on unnecessary errands or you know, just something that a child feels that they and their family are doing that is working on the side of good. Um, yeah. And that's cool. It changes your attention. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Because, I mean, we all we all could raise our kids to think in that way. So let me take a step back. If a big event happens in a family's life, you know, in their community or something in the world, 
what should be some basic first steps that they should do as far as how do they approach their kids? I mean, definitely your book, I think, is going to be a great tool to go to. Yeah. So just as a sort of additional um, clarification, the book is geared towards talking to kids about bad things that have not happened to them. Right. So it's not a book to about how to talk to your kids about a divorce happening in your family or you know, um, somebody that's gotten gravely ill and is likely to die. It's not a trauma book. Um, It's a book about bad things that have happened to other people, right? Um, And one of the things that's important is for parents to um, do some processing of their own feelings first. So kids definitely get their cues from parents about how they're supposed to be feeling, how dangerous something is. And when a parent talks to their child, when the parent themselves is still kind of reeling from the news or feeling pretty raw, that's unnecessarily frightening to children. So the extent that it's possible, parents want to do some some processing of feelings first. Um, The second thing is that it's really helpful to start by finding out what, if anything, a child already knows. So um, a parent can start with just a really broad statement, like there was a bad thing that happened in a school or there was a fire. So start with just a really broad general statement and then talk to it or ask some questions about, have you heard anything about this? Or what do you know about this? And we always want to find out what kids know so that we can be building on it and also so that we can correct misperceptions. And it's really common for kids to hear a little snippet of something and then jump to conclusions that are are not accurate. Um, And it's important for us to know what those misperceptions are so that we can correct them in very real ways. That's a good point. Right. And I I like what you said about um, processing yourself because, I mean, at least in this audience, a lot of us are anxious ourselves. You know, the apple doesn't always fall very far from the anxious tree. And so I think um, being solid or at least feeling grounded enough to be able to talk to your child and be present for your child and, you know, to hold their emotions and not both of your emotions at the same time, not crying together and, you know, not being able to kind of help your child because you're focusing on your own stuff is, is a really good point that you brought up. Right. And it's fine for parents to let their children know this makes me really sad or um, I was scared when I found out about this. But a parent doesn't want to um, be so raw in terms of their own emotions that kids are going to get frightened by seeing the magnitude of a parent's response. One of the things that's really tempting I think probably especially for anxious children, uh, for anxious parents, is to be providing blanket reassurances. So, you know, to, to talk about a bad thing that happened and then to quickly say, that's absolutely not going to happen to you or to us. Um, and while we do want to be reassuring our kids, we want to do that more in terms of likelihood Um, So to talk about how an event is really unusual and it's talked about so much in the news because it's rare. So, you know, things that happen all the time don't make it to the news. This makes it to the news because it's so unusual. And we can be talking to kids about the specific factors 
that make it unlikely that this bad thing's going to happen in a child's world. And that's ultimately much more reassuring and much more convincing to kids than parents just trying to, um, to kind of guarantee that a bad thing's going ha- not going to happen. Because kids older than about age seven or eight know that there's some piece of the future that's uncertain for all of us. And those kinds of blanket reassurances aren't so convincing because kids have some awareness that a parent can't say what's going to be happening for sure in the future. But we definitely can be talking about safeguards that are in place um, and the kinds of protections that exist in a child's life or in a child's world that make this event very unlikely to happen to them. Yeah. When you speak frankly to kids, I think they, they appreciate it and they trust more about what you're saying because like you said, a child who's probably, you know, just seven or eight or even maybe even younger knows that these things can happen. So when you do those blanket reassurances of like, you're completely safe, this won't happen to us. You know, it's, it's just, it doesn't make sense to a child because they're like, how can this, you know, then how can it happen right. over here? Right. It did happen to someone. Right. 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 But the likelihood, I remember even having a conversation with my daughter who's in high school when she went to high school, like her freshman year and was nervous about high school shootings and stuff, talking to her about how many high schools you think are in Phoenix, how many high schools are in Arizona, how many high schools are in the country and how many shootings are there? There should be zero, right? That's totally not okay. But should, do you need to be fearful every day of your life going to school? I don't think so. So I think it's just putting that perspective, which you definitely do for kids in your book. I think I think it's actually kind of calming for parents. <laughs> they could read your book because it, it's soothing to anyone just to have someone kind of point out um, all of these things. Right, that these things are horrifying, but they're very rare, actually. Um, Another piece that's related that I think it's important for parents to be aware of and attentive to is kids will often move from initially personalizing and wanting to know, is this bad thing going to happen to me? And then the next thing kids often want to know is, why did it happen? And it might be tempting to give kind of pat answers. Um, and I, I would caution parents to be careful about that. We, we certainly don't want to give answers that are casting certain people or groups of people as bad guys. Um, you know, we don't want to be doing that. It's okay to struggle a little with the answer about why something happened. Um, it's okay for parents to say, you know, there, there are lots of factors. I actually don't really know for sure. X, Y, and Z might have been at play, but I don't know. It's a complicated issue. And, and that's okay for parents to be talking about. Yeah, we definitely don't want to fuel hatred or um, some narrow thinking. So it's a, that's a really good point. And I, you, you do convey that in your book just by being very all-inclusive in your language and in your illustrations even, I think. Right. Yeah. So I think that's a good point. So if something bad happens, and, and I also think it's good that in your introduction and right now that you're separating it out because I guess me as a therapist, I was like, well, of course it's not about divorce or trauma, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I could see where someone wouldn't know that. They might pick up the book and think this bad thing's happening to us. This bad thing mm-hmm. happened, you know, to your sister and, or to you. So it's, it's a good clarification. So if something bad happens, how often should a parent circle back? What if the child, so you process this, you do what you said, maybe you read the book and your child seems okay. 
what should parents do? Should they circle back and check in or should they leave it at that point and say, you know, she hasn't brought it up again. I think we're good to go. Yeah, I think it is important to circle back. Um, and um, parents are going to need to use their judgment to some extent um, in terms of how often to do that or how directly to do that. But it's fine for parents to say something like, you know, um, I've been thinking about that tsunami that we talked about, or I've been thinking about that incident that happened in the subway. And I wonder if it's still on your mind. Um, And the first thing you're trying to find out is just, is a child still thinking about it in some way? Um, Some anxious kids work really hard to just avoid, right? So um, a child might say something like, no, I wasn't thinking about it, but now I am going to be thinking about it and, you know, kind of get angry at their parent for that. Um, and that's kind of a sign actually that a child needs more help processing it. You know, if they're so vulnerable that bringing it up again immediately puts them back into a really difficult place, they probably do need some more help processing, um, you know, their feelings around what happened. Um, the, the book, as, as you saw, for the most part is meant to be read over a couple of different occasions. Um, it's, it's uh, a length and the format is such that it's going to work best reading a little bit at a time with a child. So that in and of itself allows for a conversation to be kind of unfolding over a series of days um, or even a series of weeks rather than all at once. And there are places within the book for kids to be drawing and writing and it sort of helps them process their feelings. Parents can copy those pages. Kids don't have to to draw right right in the book, um, but it, it allows children to kind of really be processing what it is that they're hearing and what it is that they're feeling in response to this news. Um, so it's not just you know I'm giving you your news and we're done. Um, it's it's more of a process. So what age range would you say the book is appropriate for? Six to twelve, so elementary to early middle school kids. Okay, yeah, because I yeah I thought it was it could really it could really speak to any child. So I thought that was great. And it's not, I didn't write it with um, anxious kids in mind exclusively. It's really yeah. meant for any child. Yeah. yeah. But the nice thing is, and, and it definitely don't get that impression, but the nice thing is it's so perfect for them as well. Cause I think sometimes we think we have to handhold them a little bit more. We have to be more gentle with them on how we approach these things. And so some parents just aren't having any conversations with their kids about, lockdowns or when bad things happen or school shootings or drugs or alcohol, or I could probably go on forever because we just think they emotionally can't handle it. And I really liked your point earlier about the resiliency that we need to have these conversations, be cognizant of their anxiety and how we're conveying it, but we need to have these conversations. And even though this book is for any child, it, it's so perfect for the, I mean, I only have anxious kids at home and this would be perfect for them. Yeah. One of the mistakes that anxious children make is the idea that when they're afraid, that means they're actually in danger. And it's one of the things that's important for anxious kids to learn that that they can be afraid and not really be in danger, that our brains send off, um, set off a danger alarm around possible danger or perceived danger, which is different from actual danger, right? So we have false alarms, essentially, where we feel afraid, 
but we're not at risk and we're not in danger. Um, and the book talks about that. It talks about how we get these brain alarms in response to possible danger. That doesn't mean we're actually in danger. And then it teaches a couple of mindfulness kinds of activities to help to ground kids in the here and now, to help to calm their brains, and to help them to see that even though they might be feeling afraid, they're safe. They're safe in the moment. Yeah, I love how the book starts off with grounding. And it's grounding in a beautiful way, like sending love to the left. So it was just mm-hmm. so nice. And I was trying to talk to my seven-year-old about grounding this morning for a totally separate reason. And she said, oh, I've heard of grounding, like what, what you do to um, my sister. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, different kind of grounding. So funny. Seven-year-olds are so funny. Uh-huh. But yeah, I love the book opens with grounding, but you don't know it. You know, it's, it's just, you're walking through there's just this beautiful kind of visualization. And then it, it ends with a beautiful message of hope and, and giving back. So it's, it's as uplifting as it possibly can for a topic that's really hard. Thank you. So I am sure people can get it anywhere. Um, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, probably anywhere books are sold is my guess. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And I will leave a link below um, for those that are watching on YouTube or in my show notes. Um, it is called Something Bad Happened. It is my new favorite Don Hebner book. Um, I do also just want to mention just a shout out to her other books. If you've been living in a hole and you don't know them, that uh, what to do when your brain gets stuck is a staple in my practice and in my online work. What to do when you worry too much. And when bad habits get hold is another one of my favorites for those that have um, body habits that are, that are not helpful for them. So check out all of her books because they're all just so beautiful and well-written and a great supplement to anything that you're doing to help your kids. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And thanks for the work that you're doing too. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, I hope you found that interview helpful. I thought she had a really unique perspective on handling these disturbing, upsetting things that are happening in our world. I'm often asked what to do when those things happen. And I think having this book on your bookshelf is probably the best thing to do. I have a couple of articles on the topic, but honestly, just having this kid's book that I can just grab and read with my kids when these things happen will be invaluable. So definitely recommend getting it. I have links in the show notes and on my YouTube channel, or you can just go to Amazon and type in Something Bad Happened and Dawn Hebner, and you spell her last name H-U-E-B-N-E-R, just for those of you that don't know that, and you'll be able to find the book no problem. So I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you enjoy my support, please don't forget that I provide online classes and and actually an online community. So if you're interested in either, you can go to my classes at anxioustollers.teachable.com. I have a whole library full of classes on various topics that people who are raising kids with anxiety or OCD would need help with. And I also have created an online community and it is a membership community. And so if you are interested in ongoing support, we are an awesome group of parents. And if you'd like to hang out with me and have a weekly class with me and have access to forums where you can ask me any questions that you want as you're trying to help your child, you can learn more about that at atparentingcommunity.com. So if you're enjoying the podcast, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes or hit a star if you don't have a lot of time. I always appreciate when people leave reviews and to show my gratitude, I always like to end my show reading one of them. So Junia wrote, 
required listening. I found Natasha's website doing some late night Googling and haven't been able to stop listening to her podcast. This is packed with amazing info and so much relatable stuff. It makes me laugh and cry, but mostly it gives me the tools to help my son while making a more peaceful home environment. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave that review. I really appreciate it. And if you leave a review, maybe I'll be reading yours next time. So don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care.